You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey everyone, on today's show we break down the Giants win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We talk about what we made of Eli Manning's day, the commitment to the run game, and all of the big plays that happened, the good and the bad, when the Giants were on defense. So let's get to it. Hello and welcome to the Big Blue Review podcast, part of the Big Blue View Radio Network and SB Nation. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum. And for the second week in a row, we are coming to you after a Giants win? That is crazy. The Giants beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday 38-35. to And Chris, that is two wins in a row. Can we consider that a streak? Yeah, that does constitute a winning streak. And it was also one of the Giants' highest scoring games at home since uh, 2015, I believe, which also involved Pat Shermer, but that time he was with the Philadelphia Eagles. So this time, at least he's on the side of good. If 38 points, which again, the Giants have not done that a lot this year. As you said, they have not done that in quite some time. Uh, that was aided by one defensive touchdown uh, that we'll get to. But the offense, I'll say, played fairly well today. So I, I think, as we usually do when we start these reviews, I think we have to talk about Eli Manning, who had, I'll say, a, a strange game, I think, if, if we really break it down. So we went 17 of 18 for 231 yards. That's 12.8 yards per attempt. That is incredible. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. But he also took four sacks. That's an 18% sack rate uh, if you're going on dropbacks, which is horrendous. Um, but again, he he wasn't asked to throw a lot because the Giants really focused on the running game here, and, and we'll get into that. But with Eli Manning, the, the 17 of 18 is crazy. So that's a 94.4% completion percentage. And uh, the NFL's next-gen stats has an expected completion percentage uh, based on where defenders are relative to the quarterback, where the quarterback is, where defenders are relative to receivers. And they have a whole process that goes into expected completion percentage. And Eli's expected completion percentage in this game was 67%. So that's a 27.4% difference. And that is the second biggest difference in any single game this season by any quarterback. Only Russell Wilson's week eight was higher when he had an 82.4% completion percentage against an expected 45.8%, which is a 36.5% difference. Russell Wilson, very good at football. So Eli had a pretty good day by this. He 
he had some throws that maybe if, if we're nitpicking, we can talk about. I think that his one incompletion on, I think, the, the mesh wheel concept that we've probably been waiting for all year. Uh, <laughs> and they finally throw it, and he throws it a little behind Barkley, who's just wide open down the sideline. The eight-yard touchdown to Odell Beckham wasn't placed ideally, but Odell Beckham has monster hands uh, and was able to bring it in. And then when you kind of look at where Eli was by QBR, so raw QBR was 78.7, which means you know a quarterback who plays like that will usually win 78.7% of the time. If you look at total QBR, which uh, adjusts for some things and, and accounts for uh, rushing and some other things and, and defense, you only had 68.7, which is, is still good, but that was only ninth among quarterbacks this week. So you look at some of Eli's raw numbers and it they look really good, but mostly I think he played fine. He just had more, I think, ideal circumstances in which he was throwing. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even hate the throw to Saquon Barkley that wound up being incomplete. You know, his only incompletion. I didn't hate it that much. It was a little bit behind him, but it also looked like Eli was trying to compensate for the sa- the deep safety closing and put it over Barkley's outside shoulder as opposed to his inside shoulder. And it looked to me like Barkley kind of just lost track of the ball and adjusted the wrong way. So I think that still could have been caught. I think that was still a catchable ball. Maybe not ideal, and who knows, with Barkley, if Eli had been able to put it out in front of him, that might have been a touchdown as well. But except he played fine. I didn't like that he was still throwing a little bit more than a yard and a half behind the sticks. You know, they st- still obviously wanted to keep that, we'll say, safe high percentage passing game. But unlike other times they've used that, this time they got the run after catch that they needed. And speaking of the running game, that was obviously their focus this game. It really was. And I'm going to say it did strike me as odd just because of of the defense they were playing and Tampa Bay's been really injury riddled in on the defense they were without Levante David uh in this game so if if you're thinking maybe you could run up the middle there uh but Tampa Bay has been one of the worst pass defenses in the league so coming into this game they were allowing an adjusted net yards per attempt uh, which is yards per attempt which factors in uh, touchdowns interceptions and sacks they were allowing an an adjusted net yards per attempt of 9.0. To put that in perspective a little bit, Jared Goff this season has averaged 9.08. So the Tampa Bay secondary has been turning opposing quarterbacks into the Los Angeles Rams, uh, which is very good. So I'm a little surprised that the Giants wanted to go so run heavy so early instead of really stressing this Tampa Bay secondary with possibly some some downfield shots and big plays early in the game and if I'm thinking just in terms of not just this game but maybe how the Giants think going forward that kind of concerns me a little bit because I would I would like to see them try to get some big plays and this I think could have potentially been like a 40 to 10 game at halftime but instead they didn't really have enough big plays and I think let Tampa Bay kind of creep back in the second half yeah they really could have stuck the dagger when they were up 14 to nothing probably the most shocking thing to come out of this to me was 
with Levante David injured, Evan Ingram only got 17 snaps. I we've been gnashing our teeth all season long at how he has been used or misused primarily by running shallow crossing routes and expected to pick up eight to 10 or more yards on his own. But the last two weeks we've seen him finally release vertically down the field and it has resulted in big plays each time. Usually when the giants absolutely need them in the fourth quarter, but the amount of separation the giants receivers were getting this game was ridiculous. Red Ellison averaged 8.9 yards of separation. Sterling Shepard averaged 4.15. Odell Beckham averaged 3.62. Evan Ingram averaged 6.63. And Benny Fowler averaged 11.4 yards of separation. League average is 2.8. So it's just weird that the Giants can look at bad secondaries and this was not the first one this year this is their third or fourth bad secondary that they can look at and say no nah, no nah, we're, we're good we won't attack you uh, this was a conversation we were probably always going to have and this was probably something that it was always going to get to after the giants picked barkley second overall you knew at some point they were going to try to become this this run heavy team which is not always going to be a bad thing. I just think, especially against this secondary, there are some times where, where the run is going to work and, and being run heavy uh, is going to work. And, and it did eventually work out in this game. So I, the, the results came out. But I think the process of, man, if they're not going to air it out here, when are they? And I, I think if you, if you look forward, uh, you got the Philadelphia Eagles next week who... I mean, Drew Brees is, I mean, Drew Brees is Drew Brees, but he was throwing to Austin Carr, Keith Kirkwood, um, uh, Tracon Smith. Um, those were guys who were lighting up the Philadelphia secondary uh, Sunday afternoon. So if, if the Giants are still going to consider trying to run the ball down the middle of Philadelphia's defense, uh, that's, that's going to, again, be strange to me. I'll say Barkley was good in this game uh, for what he was asked to do. He had 27 carries, 142 yards, 5.53 expected points added, and a 44.4% success rate, which when we've talked about Barkley's success rate, uh, it has not been that high. I mean, still the best running backs in the league are, are around you know 49 50 and, and some above 50 percent so you know 44 still has some work but from where Barkley has been in this running game that is uh, better but it's that that's still weird to me and but then you look at what Odell Beckham did Beckham only had four targets but they were four receptions for 74 yards and a touchdown and Beckham had 6.84 expected points added that's 1.7 expected points added per target so he was worth almost two points every time the Giants just threw to him so I, I don't know why they didn't do it more. Uh, there was a point in the game where Odell Beckham and Elijah Penny, who is a fullback, had the same number of targets. So uh, it, it's it's good that it worked out. And, and the Giants are going to need to have some kind of run game. I know we talk about the how the run game isn't always efficient, but I, I think if you're going to run, you need to be good at it. So uh, being good at it is is good, but uh, I, I'm just surprised in a game-planning perspective that's how they went against this Tampa Bay defense. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm just curious about the process where they could look at their first 10 weeks of film 
and see that they have the worst run blocking offensive line in the league. And they're looking at a defense that has, we'll say an underperforming, but talented defensive line and an explosive offense and say, you know what? We'll just run the ball. Never mind getting Odo Beckham and Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram matched up on guys who can't even dream about covering them. It, it worked out, and that's a good thing. You know, people should feel good about the Giants winning and actually attacking a team's strength and coming out on top. But it, the process to arrive at that point is curious, and I'm not sure it's sustainable with the Giants' personnel. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing. And I think if, if you look at some of some of the stats we put in our previews who come from uh, Bill Conley of SB Nation, would you look at what the Giants, how the Giants rank on the offensive categories that are listed there? And they're pretty far down pretty much everywhere, except for big plays. They hover between like fifth and seventh in big play rate. And, and I'm really surprised they did not try to do that more. And they, they did have some big plays. Uh, they had Beckham for 27. Barkley had a 23-yard run. The Evan Ingram play was for 56 yards when, when the Giants really needed him. And he is now just like he's a baseball closer, apparently. He doesn't get used at all. They, they bring him in. Uh, this is two weeks in a row now where he's just had a big play on one of the last drives when the Giants have needed it after being a non-factor for the rest of the game game and i think his usage just shows they had really no intention of throwing the ball coming into this game if evan ingram has fewer snaps than scott simonson and less than half the snaps of rhett ellison you do not intend to throw the ball really at least not throw the ball downfield this is something to monitor i think going forward and and we'll see if the giants so the Giants have been the league's most pass-heavy team up to this point. Some of that was because they were trailing, some of that because the run blocking was just absolutely terrible, and the Giants, I think, did realize at, at some points that it was not worth running when they were only going to gain two yards, and, and the possibility of the Saquon Barkley huge play wasn't worth it when, when the alternative and the more often alternative was gains of 1-2-0. A negative two um so or more so, right so they've been pass heavy in that situation the bucks couldn't really stop anything so they did let barkley keep going um so it's going to be something to watch i think going forward as the giants start to game plan for the next part of their schedule but i think we can and i think part of that is the offensive line being a little better it's definitely been better since jamon brown came in i think the offensive line had another uh, decent game there were no really egregious errors there was the one jason pierre paul sack uh, but that was again in the passing game when he completely just juke nate solder he faked to the outside just completely beat solder to the inside for one of his sacks um, but but in the run game, I, I think they're they're not blowing as many blocks there, and that's that's probably why they kept it going. So we'll see if that carries on. Um, but as we continue to move, I, I think 
the other side of the ball is probably where we should spend a little bit of time. Uh, I know I did my usual plays that change the game piece for Monday morning, and where I look at the biggest plays by expected points added and win probability added, and I usually do about 10 plays. Almost all of them came when Tampa Bay had the ball, either from Tampa having a big play on offense or Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing in just amazing interception, which happened multiple times in this game. Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> was terrible. And I think when we talk about how maybe this isn't a sustainable way for the Giants to win, man, Ryan Fitzpatrick just gifted them the ball. And I know that happens when you play Ryan Fitzpatrick. That is one of the likely outcomes. But that is definitely the Giants got many, many gifts there. Yeah. Emory Hunt tweeted out, I believe it was right before or at uh, Patrick's first interception when he went for that real deep play action pass. And he said, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick just threw the yellowest of yellow passes. And that's that explains it or that describes it perfectly. You know, it's just, well, I will throw into double coverage here. Why? YOLO. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, going back and watching a bunch of those interceptions, like there's there's no reason for for some of them to be thrown. You'd like to give credit to the defense, uh, but <laughs> I mean, some of them they they were just gifted. Fitzpatrick was just thrown into tight coverage, and and if you look at next gen stats, no two quarterbacks throw deeper more often than. Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston, and no quarterbacks throw into tight coverage more often than Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston. Uh, and some of those go hand in hand. Some of the studies on next gen stats I've done shows that separation does get smaller as the passes get deeper. Uh, so if you're throwing deep at a high rate, usually you're going to be throwing into tighter coverage. That's one thing that makes offenses like the Chiefs really incredible is they're throwing deep and into wide open windows. But that is not Tampa Bay. That is, uh, if they see maybe an opening, they're they're chucking it deep, and that's what Fitzpatrick and and Winston did uh, once he came in. He got a couple more open plays, and and that uh, late touchdown to Mike Evans was definitely one. But the, the Giants got some gifts on interceptions, and they were able to turn that around. And that's not something the Giants have been able to do uh, so far this season. They were only like 21st in, in interceptions per defensive drive uh, this season. So so it was good to see them convert. Uh, but obviously, again, that's not something you're going to be able to bank on going forward. No, d- uh, definitely not. They couldn't even bank on it during the game because I think that was the big difference. Fitzpatrick quarterbacking from... Jameis Winston is that the Giants were able to capitalize on Fitzpatrick's gifts, but they didn't capitalize on Winston's gifts. You know, we saw those frankly incredible tip drill, not interceptions where it looked like half the defense had their hand on the ball and nobody could haul it in. So they had two chances to end that drive and they weren't able to capitalize on either one of them. And then there was the Mario Edwards forced fumble which Curtis Riley was chasing around in the end zone rather than just jumping on the ball and coming up with the touchback, which that got recovered by 
I believe it was an offensive lineman for the touchdown. No, it was it was Mike Evans who oh, was, that was it was it was Evans. Okay. Yeah, it, it was Evans who was actually. I just saw the big guy diving on it. Yeah, so it was Evans who was on who started the play on the opposite side of the field and was actually running just across the end zone, a wide open in front of B.W. Webb. That probably would have been uh, an easy pass if they had gone there, but Evans had been running across the back of the end zone, had a lot of separation, and because there were no defenders there was able to just jump on the ball uh, for the touchdown the Giants when they didn't force a turnover um were were allowing touchdowns if if you look at I'm just going to read the results of Tampa Bay's drives um the first drive was by downs they okay so they punted on their second drive I completely forgot about that and then touchdown interception interception for a touchdown interception touchdown 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 interception (laughs) <laughs> those those were the end results of Tampa Bay's drives, and that, that is amazing to read off. So, the I mean, the Giants were allowing big plays, but they were getting them back. It started with that first touchdown, the Ryan Fitzpatrick fourth and one on, on the scramble. Credit to the Giants there. Tampa Bay wanted to run that, like, motion screen uh, where you have three wide receivers to one side, one's out a little wider, and the other two were kind of stacked in the slot, and the outside receiver uh, motions in, and the other two set up a screen. It's kind of like a, a moving screen. It's something the Eagles used with Alshon Jeffrey in the Thursday night game earlier in the season. A bunch of other teams have used it for, like, an auto Matic touchdown this year. But a credit to the Giants who were able to break that up. So Janoris Jenkins broke on the receiver and Alec Ogletree actually did a really good job jumping into the passing lane, which forced Fitzpatrick to run around. So so there were some positives here. Again, that still turned into a touchdown. But man, Tampa Bay is like a Tampa Bay's a crazy team. I, I have no idea how they just function. <laughs> um not very well, but I, we still saw, I think, some of the problems on defense that we've seen all season long. You know, there, there were tackles that should have been made that just weren't players out of position. I'm looking at Curtis Riley uh, and some kind of confusing miscommunications from players who shouldn't be having them, specifically on that long Mike Evans touchdown. I don't know what coverage Janoris Jenkins and Landon Collins were playing. I'm not sure they knew, and I'm not sure they knew which one the other one was playing because it looked like they were both playing two separate coverages, and I'm not sure either of them was correct. Yeah, yeah, especially that that Evans touchdown, which which got Tampa Bay right back into the game. So if you look at, I'm going to keep referring to the plays that changed the game piece, that was the biggest play of the game by expected points added and win probability added. Tampa Bay's win probability jumped by 25.4% on that play. It seemed like the drive before the Giants had iced the game. Barkley had a three-yard rushing touchdown, his lone appearance in the in the top 10 by EPA. He scored three-yard rushing touchdown that gave the Giants a 10-point lead with just under four minutes remaining. But just a couple plays later, Tampa has a wide-open play. And and again, I think that brings me back to, to why I'm surprised the Giants did not try to throw downfield earlier in the game. Because I, I think 
because they weren't as aggressive as they could have been, they let Tampa come back into the game. And maybe part of that was they were thinking that Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to stay in the game and continue to gift the defense interceptions or possible interceptions. But then Jameis Winston came in, was a completely different quarterback. So you look at their QBRs. Ryan Fitzpatrick had a QBR of 21.2, which means the quarterback who plays there will only win about 21.2% of the time. But then Winston came in and 89.2 QBR. So almost 90% of the games a quarterback plays like Winston did uh, will result in a victory. And, and it almost did. And the Giants, I think, were a little relaxed in the second half. And that allowed Tampa to to start to mount that comeback. Yeah, it, looked, it appeared like the Giants defense kind of checked out after they chased the starting quarterback. And... You can't do that. You have to keep your foot on the pedal, especially against a team that was one of the most explosive offenses in the league. You know they can come back. They almost did it against the Saints. They can do it. And also, I suppose, just to kind of wrap the game up, can we talk about the Giants' last drive? They got the ball back at 2 minutes and 20 seconds and all told lost 2 yards and gave the ball back with 30-some seconds left on the clock it worked out because of another interception but how do you not try to get a first down when the only way the clock can stop is by the two minute warning yeah so that is that is something especially for for a a team that was run heavy and relied on the run in this game they were not able to ice the game there and that's something you want the the plays end up being a Saquon Barkley run for three yards uh, then the two minute warning Barkley for no gain, Barkley for no gain on third and seven, and then the Giants run the delay a game to run the clock down, uh, and then punt on fourth and 12, and they give the ball back. Luckily, the next drive was ended in a forced interception, uh, which, again, story of the game. So that drive was three plays minus two yards. It did take up two minutes of clock, and that is, I think, the only positive. So the Giants did end up increasing their win probability from the NFL uh, scrape our package that that I get all this data from they had an 81.8% win probability when that drive started when they punted it was 92.7 so so they did help their case but you would still a uh, first down ices the game a first down brings that to 100% instead of 92.7 and that's what you're supposed to be able to do with a running back drafted second overall uh, with this the offensive line that we have been told is is now improved and it's working but they could only gain three yards on the ground in in three plays that that's a little upsetting too Uh, again it it worked out but i I think again that's something you can question the process and, and and that's something i think will continue to go going forward because it's good that the Giants won. This did work out. And, and if you're watching this Giants team, you should be happy with a win. Uh, but I think there's still a couple concerns you can have uh, going forward of, of what this means. Uh, I don't think they're going to be going on some crazy winning streak now where they're going to suddenly be in the playoff picture. That's that's not going to happen. Even with Washington losing Alex Smith to an unfortunate uh, broken leg, that was, that was bad and uh, wishing Alex Smith the best because uh, that did not look great and I mean even as the Eagles are and I don't even know what the Eagles are doing right now after they just got blown out by New Orleans and Dallas who knows what you're getting 
anytime there. But the Giants have the Eagles next week, and and maybe I can't believe I'm, like if they win, maybe maybe you start talking about it. But and even even that, uh, everyone else is still so far ahead of them. Uh, at just three and seven, so so there's definitely things to like in this game that contributed to the win, and we have not been able to say that often enough over these past two seasons. Uh, but I think there's still a couple things that might concern you uh, going forward. Oh, de- definitely, and I think that reluctance to attack a defense's weakness is probably the most concerning thing about that for me especially when that weakness lines up with probably your greatest strength but a win is good that's you know forget draft position forget all of that a win is a good thing and people should feel good about a win and it's good for all the young players the giants are hoping can step up and be pieces for the future to know that their hard work will pay off that they can win a game they can win two games in a row to know what it feels like to win a game to go on a winning streak and hey maybe they'll just just might get addicted to that feeling and keep working that much harder to feel it some more so that's about where i am with this yeah wins certainly uh, are not bad and i think the draft scenario is is a completely different conversation that we'll probably have later in the week when uh when we have our college and draft show which hey uh listen to that if you guys have not that will be up in the feed later in the week uh yeah, i don't know why you aren't yeah shameless plug there so yeah i, th- I think that's a completely different situation and and it might not alter all that much because there, there's a lot of teams in in the same range right now. But yeah, it, it's good to to see a win that they can hold on. But I'm not sure this made me super optimistic that more wins are going to happen. But I, I do think they played well in this game. And, but those I th- are two separate thoughts that I have coming away from this win against Tampa. Yeah, they won in a way if you were looking at an offense from a modern NFL perspective they won in a way that is completely counterintuitive and it worked out I'm not sure it would work out against many other teams in the league maybe the Bills and Raiders but it worked out and maybe they can rather being reinforced by this win realize that they can and should modify their game plan going forward that is the biggest thing we can watch for going forward into into the next part of the season where they have and i we've talked about on this podcast how the second half of the schedule would be a little easier than it was in the first half but a lot of that was the 49ers and the buccaneers being on the schedule and and they got the two wins there it it doesn't get super easy after that and i think it it gets a little harder after after these two games now they're at philly then home for uh, chicago who was able to get a win against minnesota then at washington that game is completely different now without alex smith then you get tennessee at home uh, week 15 and they're hit or miss depending on what team shows up that day and then at indy who's playing super well right now and then you end the season home against dallas uh so this easy second half of the schedule was a lot about the two games that just happened and and it'll get a little harder as as we go forward so we'll see how the giants 
uh, adjust to that. And and if they're going to continue trying to stick with the run and, and making the game plan around there, or if this was uh, a one game thing, we'll just see how they decide to attack defenses. And then I'll be surprised again if the way the Philadelphia secondary is, if, if they're not just firing downfield against them, that will definitely raise some eyebrows. So before we get too heavy into starting to preview that game, I think we can end it there. We know we have a, a short week this week with Thanksgiving, so we're uh, we're trying to figure out what our podcast schedule is going to be. Uh, we will definitely let you know uh, when we will be coming back. We will have a, a college football and draft show sometime this week. Ed will be up with Valentine's Views podcast this week as well. So if you are subscribed to this podcast, you will just be able to get those in your feed whenever they pop up. So you don't have to worry about the schedule. You'll just see them. So uh, please do that wherever you find your podcast. Please check out bigblueview.com to to see our work. Uh, we'll be writing about this game. We'll be previewing the Eagles game, a whole bunch more. Uh, please check out Big Blue View on Twitter if you're not following at Big Blue View. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. You can follow Chris on Twitter at RaptorMKII. Uh, follow Big Blue View on Instagram. Uh, I've been trying to do some more fun things in the stories and doing some Q&As and stuff. Uh, follow along on Instagram at Big underscore Blue underscore View. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, Maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.